0: Peace and blessings be upon you. Welcome to the Ta'lif Podcast, a space where we aim to provide content and connect our spiritual hearts with community, love, service, and prophetic wisdom. Bismillah walhamdulillah wal salawatu was ala rasulillah. Subhanaka ma lana illa ma alamtana innaka anta alim hakeem. Allahumma ma fahlamin illa ma fahamsana innaka anta jawadul kareem. Wa sallallahu ala ala Muhammad. The verse that we're studying today, are where God talks about what happens when the fighting began between two parties, when two parties disagree, when two of us disagree we have a disagreement, then how do we rectify between one another? And then He talks about the importance of. Uh, he talks about the importance of a community that is built on humility, right? A community that is built on humility and finding the good in one another. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, فَإِن مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إن الله إن الله that he says that if you find two parties that are fighting between one another, you have two people that are fighting, they come into an argument. Um then fix what is between them. Then fix what is between them. Do what's called islah. Islah means to rectify between two people, right? It means to fix between two peoples. One of the tropes in the Quran, Allah calls it amal salih, right? Al-amal salih to be people that have uh, righteous deeds. But you know what else? What a what a, a musleh is. Like if you have a a phone that's broken, and you go to like an uh, Arab-speaking country, they'll say, oh, you go to a muslih. You go to somebody who fixes something. You know, shay. he fixes something. So to literally fix something that is broken, what does this mean? This means that we recognize that the job of the believer is inherently <laughs> to look for people that are broken and attempt to fix them. The job of the believer is to look for people that are broken and attempt to fix them. Not in the sense of being the modal, the, the one that fixes Because the one that fixes is who? Is Allah Jalla Jalaluhu But to be what's called the sabab The means of fixing between two parties Why? Because the, Allah, the Prophet said Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam In an authentic hadith He says In a Hassan hadith He says um, Indeed Allah is with the broken hearted Indeed Allah is with the broken hearted so one of the glad tidings we have is if you're suffering from a broken heart, uh, you go through what yeah, whatever you have to do to fix it. But what's the guarantee here? That Allah is with you. إِنَّ you ي... Allah is with the brokenhearted. So if you're going through that, you're like, I'm going through something very difficult. But the guarantee here is even though I'm going through something very difficult and I'm having, and this is for relationships, family, uh, uh, dealing with oppression, not getting... The job you want, not getting the position you want, um, uh, whatever it may be. Spiritual, obviously, the most important type of brokenhearted is is brokenheartedness is to be distant from Allah and to be distant from the prophets. I them, but recognizing that means that Allah is already with you. If you recognize it, the condition is Allah is with you, and then you have the things that. Unfor- what happens is it creates a ripple effect that if the hearts are not um, affixed. If the hearts are not fixed what happens is that the two hearts start to begin to have animosity between one another so there's not it's not like somebody says something about like if i if if israel finds out that i said something about him behind his back and he doesn't clarify it with me but maybe i said it maybe i didn't allahu alam um, i talk about him behind his back all the time i say a lot of stuff about you behind your back uh i'm joking uh that if he feels a certain way and he's in a state of brokenheartedness right but there is no attempt to rectify between us naturally what would happen is there would be an animosity between him and i which would start leading to what happens in the community who's going to start taking sides who's friends of who who can we kick it with did you hear what somebody said? What well, I can't believe he said about this person. What happens is you begin to start having conversations with another. The next three verses start to talk about that after. That's what we're going to end with. Inshallah, we'll end with it. It begins with having what's called dhan, a supposition between one another. And Allah says, and I'm not going to get into this verse until we finish. Be aware of a lot of supposition, assumptions. Be aware of assumptions. Uh and then two people start to have a problem between one another, right? And then Allah says, But if one decides to not to islah, one says, look, I'm not going to fix it. He says, very harshly, then fight the other one. Then fight the other one. Fight the other one حتى, حتى, until they until they submit to the path of Allah. To the command of Allah. What's the command of Allah? It's fixed between you two. The God's, the Allah, and this is one of the one of the scholars, one of my teachers, he told me the nature of God is that he unites us with the essence, where the nature of the devil is that he divides us with the details. The nature of God is that he unites us with the essence. <inaudible> he unites us with the essence, but the nature of the devil is that he divides us with the details, what's called waswasa what's called a sifa so even and isn't this in our aqidah isn't this in our theology where the Allah says in the Quran when they ask about like the well how does God look well, how is his face how does he do a how does he do b how does he do c how does he come whatever to the point where Allah is like no this is demonic I am the you are the one to be the questions sa'ilun? And you are the one, I'm not the one being questioned, but rather you're the one who's being questioned. Allah refutes that in the Qur'an, meaning that He says it's not important. It's not important. And if you are united by the essence of Allah, Jalla Jalaluhu, one of the gifts of that is all the questions that you would have about God would be answered in the Day of Judgment, where you get to see Allah. they will be answered in the day where you actually get to see Allah, Jalla Jalaluhu right? Because you've already submitted to the reality of Allah. And you're you're getting away from the sort of the details that would rather put animosity between you and God. So, Fakhruddin al-Razi, one of the tafsirs that we use here, he says that there's three types of uh, um, separation. You have separation between me and my brother or me and my sister. We have separation, we have animosity that we don't fix. And that is the lowest level. And that is done by uh, the uh the first command of the messenger of god when he gives his first friday sermon when he enters medina and this is what is like the somebody called it some scholar i forgot who called it like the muhammad you know maslow's heart is it maslow's hierarchy of needs maslow's hierarchy of needs that uh this is like muhammad's hierarchy of needs so the first khutbah that he gives To bring and who's coming into Medina? These Meccans, who are these strangers, who are what's called the muhajirun. They're coming into Medina. They're entering these this place where there is already a lot of intergenerational tribal bloodbaths with each other. You have the Aus and you have the Khazraj, and they're like they're not getting along with one another at all, right? Until they become Muslim. So what's the secret in Islam that all of a sudden these people came together? And then you have these people that now that they're they're just coming and they're taking your home, quite literally. You have these people that like they're they're from Mecca. We don't really know who they are. Now they're telling us what to do. Who do we listen to? Who do we not listen to? The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. His response is very simple. He says, "O oh you who believe," he gives a khutbah, "Eshfu salam baynakum. Spread peace amongst yourselves. Say salam to literally say salam to one another. Right? What did he say?" Whoever says salam when a brother, sh- when they say salam, when they say salam, that their, their bad deeds go away. Their bad deeds go away. Now we want to think about that. That's metaphysically, it frees you from your sins. Like just saying salam, like I say, like I salam alaikum to you, khalas, Allah's forgiving us. Just because we said salam when we shook each other's hands. But now look at the deeper. If there's animosity between us, right? The fact that we just simply touched each other, Allah will remove it, right? And that's why they say Al-Badiu Bis Salama a hadith. Al Badu Bis Salama Bariyun Kibr. The one that initiates the greeting of peace, they're free from arrogance. They're free from arrogance. You ever know somebody does something to you and you're like, man, I ain't gonna say salam to him, man. There's the, the younger kid, you're the older person, and I got a 16-year-old brother. I walk in the house and he doesn't say salam. I'm like, man, how are you gonna not say salam to me first? No, you say salam to me first. Remember who, remember who's older Yeah, you're taller, but remember. Remember, you don't forget, right? Uh, but how many of that, you guys experience that. I'm not going to say hi to this person because, man, who are they? They don't know what they did to me. So I'm not going to say salam to them. I'm not going to greet them because they don't know what they did to me. Do you know all the history here? But the problem is a very difficult thing. So he says, Whomsoever just says salam to people, even if there's animosity between your hearts, they're free from arrogance. They're free from arrogance. So the first one is spread peace amongst one another. The second is, the second piece is, he said, "Feed one another. Feed one another. How are you gonna hate somebody that he just gave you a brownie? You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, there was this, you know, Subhanallah. Like Ariel, he's serving the tea. It's like Ariel. He's. I'm talking about you. Uh, Ariel. He's. He was. There was one man. I swear to God. Like he talks, He's a jujitsu master. So he's talking about like whooping people in the space. And I heard he like." almost tore somebody's ACL, which actually almost happened, but he almost tore somebody's ACL. Like he's this, that, whatever. He's like, I don't want to talk to him. He's so insensitive, whatever. And you meet Ariel. And the first thing he does, he gives you a crumble cookie. Don't sound like a brother. You want a crumble cookie? He just fed you tea, right? He just gave you tea. All of a sudden your entire dimension of him changes your entire, like that Your entire like, How do I not like the How, what, you know? So one of the they like i think it was mike that said the secret to entering the hearts of muslims is to feed them a ton of food i was with i'll give you an example i was with uh i was in morocco and i was walking down the streets and there was this like 65 year old like australian couple and they clearly were lost right like they were clearly like flabbergasted they were trying to look for like uh directions and all of these sort of uh like If you go to a lot of these, like, you guys remember the flood from Halo? You know what I'm talking about? If you play Halo, there's, like, all these little things that come and flood you. It's sort of like that when you go to some of these countries, because they're all just trying to use you for their two-guy thing. So they're just, all these little kids just come surround you, like 90 kids. And they'll be like, do you want this, do you want that? And you're trying to get them off. You literally have to, like, you have to push them off of you. They'll, like, latch onto you. And I'm talking, like, they will follow you for the entire day, right? Uh... And they were really like tired so i like gave them directions to a place and then they started asking me questions like oh like well, how do you speak english and i'm like because i'm american and they're, i was like kind of like and they're like oh you don't look american where are you really from i was like okay dude we're gonna do this and then <laughs> and then i was like dude just leave me alone like i don't want to talk to you but they were a really nice couple so then i started asking them questions i was like oh what brings you to morocco honestly i didn't really care i was just trying to be nice because I wanted to get to point I'll be honest with you I had no interest to have this conversation whatsoever and we went to so anyways I started asking them questions like yeah like what brings you to what brings you to town and they're like oh we're just riding our Harley Davidsons all over the world I was like word and like okay and I was like how did you I'm like how did you bring it from Australia like isn't it an island they're like oh we put it on a ship and they're saying we're going south we were all in the north we're in europe for the for the for the summer and we're like traveling south for the winter like it was like yeah like birds and they were like yeah kind of like birds and then uh i was like where have you gone and they started naming countries like they were like you went to laos we went to vietnam we went to we, they went to afghanistan which was crazy they biked through afghanistan and uh they went through iran and then iraq and then they ended up going all over the middle east they went to pakistan and then they went to uh uh all over europe and then now they're doing all of africa uh they went through china and everything and i asked them you know what's your worst favorite what's your like least favorite country and your favorite country the least one uh i won't mention and i was like what's your favorite country and you know what two countries they mentioned they mentioned iran and pakistan And I was like, why Iran and Pakistan? And they go, because everywhere you go, people are just obsessed with feeding you. They're just obsessed with feeding you, which was such a big part of like Muslim culture is that like anywhere you go, any house you go to, you're going to be fed. It's aib, it's like a disservice to like, you would rather die, quite literally die, than somebody leave your grandma's home and not be fed. Am I making this up? You would literally, it's its an insult to your entire lineage from the beginning of time to the end of time if you came to the house and they didn't feed you, right? And one of the things that I, I believe is like that that solves half of the conversation. And then the next thing he says was bring the families together. One of the big things that we often miss out is our an attempt to like unify the community. We can't even unify our families how is your family going to com- how is your community going to come together if there's so much division in our families one of the tough things is that families are often more difficult to unify than your community right it's actually the more tough it's actually the harder task because the habib sallallahu alaihi challenges us when he says man qata'a arham qata'ahu allah whoever breaks the womb god breaks their relationship with them whoever cuts the ties of the womb god cuts their ties with them which is a very daunting uh, hadith. Now, there are certain caveats and circumstances to that that we could talk about later, inshallah ta'ala. But this is, we're speaking in generalities here. Okay? And then he says, "Wasilu arham," And then he tells you the secret. Okay, you want to bring the hearts of the people together? This is the one that we never talk about. You talk about strategy, talk about uh, best practices. We talk about how do we approach people in an empathetic way? But he ends the hadith with saying what? If you really want to bring your community together, if you really want to bring peace in your community, then pray when everybody's sleeping. Remember who's actually As-Salam. Who's actually As-Salam is Allah, the one that brings upon peace. And then he says, وَتَدْخُلُوا And you'll enter the garden with peace. So that's the, mo- that's the hierarchy of how you actually bring people together. Right, that's how you sort of squash beef, as we say. Um, but if you don't do that, then Allah says, "Then fight them." And what does it mean to fight them? What do you guys mean? What does it mean, fight people? Does it? He says, وَقَاتُلُهُمْ, fight them. What does it mean, fight them? If somebody doesn't want to get to the table and make things right, he says, "Fight them." He says, "Fight them." What does it mean? One of the one of the things that are you know lying is haram, right? we we have consensus lying is impermissible but there's one aspect where you can lie is al and you can lie to bring people's hearts together so people don't want to talk is like man dude so like uh will and i are like not in talking terms right dr callwell and me we're not in talking terms no we are we're not in talking terms now i'm just saying for example but we're not in talking terms Generally, and there's no way we're gonna to talk to each other, right? And Nabil can come and just say, Yo, mayor, dude, Will talks about you all the time, bro. He really misses you. He's like, bro, I really wish. No, he's <laughs> in fact, Will's probably like, bro, I hate this kid so much. No, I'm joking. Right. And then he can go to Will and say, dude, is like losing sleep over you. And Will be like, bro, that's kind of extreme. But like he's like, <laughs> but he can that's it's permissible for him to do that in order to bring us together right? In order to bring us together, you can say things, you don't have to go overboard, but, you know, in the point where it's like, okay, I can tell (laughs) you clearly, but bringing people together is one of the only circumstances when you can lie. The second circumstances is to make somebody feel good when they've done something for you. And the, the, the fuqaha, the scholars of jurisprudence say, when they've cooked something for you, right, they talk about if somebody's cooked something for you, and it is just not good, you can say, hey, this is really good. This is really, really good. It's one of the moments where you could say these things, right? But by any means necessary, if there is something between your families, if there is something between a group of friends, then you can bring people together. However, you need three types of capital. This is for if you're taking notes, you need three types of capital, right? The first type of capital is you need social, uh, personal capital with people, Right? In the obviously is the messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, when he comes down to uh, his best friend, right? Abu Bakr As-Siddiq, and he says, I think I'm a prophet, his visceral responses, that makes so much sense, right? Like, duh, like, why didn't I think of that? Like, of course you're a prophet. Because he has personal relationship and he's seen who this man was, alayhi that it wasn't a far-fetched to know he was a prophet, to recognize he was a prophet then you have social capital if what does he say when revelation comes if there was a mount if there was an army behind this mountain ready to attack would you believe me would you believe me and all of them said yes you are the truthful and the trustworthy right he has social capital with people And the last third one is resourceful capital what have you done for me lately like how are you helping the situation right well how have you been somebody who's invested in that person to see them grow. Or invested in that relationship to see that relationship nurtured, right? Those are the three types of capital you have to do what's called islah between people. Naam. And it was related that uh, the Messenger of God, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, was when this re- verse was revealed. One of the what's called asbab al-nuzul. Remember we talked about asbab al-nuzul in the first class. Does everybody know? It means the context of revelation. Asbab, a s b a b, asbab and nuzul, n u z u l or z u l. Yeah, I'm transliteration, transliterating it. But asbab and nuzul. Uh, there was a uh, a hadith where a man, when the Prophet of God sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he says that Sayyidna Anas said that uh Law ateet Abdullah bin Abi, fa antulqa ila al-Nabi sallam, furokba al-himar, fa antulq al-Muslimin yashun bil-ard. Subhahu, uh, 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 subqatahu ilan nabi sallam, Qala anni, That a man came to the Messenger of God sallallahu From just a, because of Abdullah Meaning he's a servant of Allah Like he's just they say, somebody say Abdullah he's just a person And he's riding with the Messenger of God And he starts to mock the believers Right He starts to make fun of like the peasantry of the believers And then he goes to the Messenger of Allah And he says anni Get away from me He says why He says he said, your donkey smells your, 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 your riding thing, your donkey, it starts to smell And the companions get upset Right, amongst the, himar, amongst the Ansar The people, they start, to start, they start to outwardly get angry And they said He said, I bear witness that the smell of the donkey of the Messenger of God Is better than your smell you start to fight, you start to, you're gonna have their, they're gonna have their profits back. Somebody insulted the prophets, and so they're gonna have their profits back. And so, and obviously, it's a very insulting thing to go to somebody random and say, get away from me. You're like, it's like, think about, think about this. It's like, you're offering somebody a ride from point A to point B. So, yeah, get in the car. It's out of the way. You offer them a ride, you get in their car, and they're like, your car smells, bro. Right? Like, it's the first thing they said, not thank you. They're gonna like, man, your car stinks, like your car's a mess right that's, that's completely uncalled for adab now now you just you walk to the messenger of allah you smell his donkey and you're like get away from me o messenger of god ilayka anni which means like ilayka anni is like saying like it's literally the most derogatory way of saying get the heck away from me like get away from me right and you could fill in the blanks it's it's a it's, it's you're you're cursing somebody out in arabic right and then they start to like argue with one another, and they, there's clear animosity between the between the Ansar and this one person. Then they begin to take their like clothes off or anything that they have, they start stripping away at whatever they have and they start to take their Na'alain, their sandals, and they start. So now you're seeing it's like a really Muslim like board member meeting sort of situation where they're like in an argumentation with each other and now things are coming out, right? Like everybody's taken out like they're taking sandals out. They're taking sandals out and they're about to attack each other with their sandals. It's a hadith. There there's a point you see two people are like no your donkey smells no your donkey smells and they're starting to hit each other to the point where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals the verse, right? That if two people are fighting, so you're thinking the context of this is warfare, the context of this is there's internal disagreement, there's context, whatever. No, these are two people insulting each other and they're slapping each other with sandals. And Allah reveals a verse that says, like, this is not befitting behavior for believers. This is not befitting. Be- this is not classy for behavior. Believers don't behave like this. They don't argue over things in this capacity. And who did they insult? They insulted the messenger of Allah, sallallahu wa wa ala alihi, right? Uh, and then the next verse directly is what? Indeed, the believers are brethren and sisters. They're a fraternity. They're a bond. They're a community. So fix what is between them. Right? So he's saying, fix what is between them. And then what's the next verse? And he says, be mindful of Allah. الله, but be mindful of Allah. So, in order for you to fix, so what is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Jalla Jalla saying? He's saying, in order for you and me, to make amends between one another and to be a community who has to be the center of our community is God. Not identity, not manhaj, not political affiliation, nothing. First is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a central figure in your community. You're what's called Imam Nawi splits two things. He's a great scholar of Islam, Imam Nawi. He has two types of ikhwah. He says, fi isla- yanqisam uh, there are two categories of fraternity there's fraternity in islam is like we're muslims which means that we fulfill each other's rights so we feel for example you sneeze it's my right your right for me to say you say alhamdulillah i have to say what it's a right that you have upon it's a very i don't have to like you to say that i don't need to know you um if I pass away, the right that I have, that the community has to take, what, what does the community have to do for me? They have to do the janazah prayer. You can't, if I don't have family and they don't do it, everybody has to make sure that my janazah is taken care of. right? This is a bare minimum right for a believer, whether you like me or not. I could be an oppressive Muslim. I could be an oppressive Muslim. I could be a tyrant, a really evil person. But if I die, no matter what, you still have to bury me. There's this a bare minimum right. Even if you don't want to, you still have to do it, right? It's the bare minimum. This is ikhwa fil Islam. And then you have ikhwa billah. Brotherhood or fraternity or sisterhood in God. That goes beyond like anything else. That is a type of brotherhood which Allah calls his organization. Like what's this organization called? It's called Tatlif. Tatlif. In the verse in the Quran where Allah says That hold to the rope of God And don't dissent amongst one another Don't dissent amongst one another Um, Remember the favor that God had upon you You were enemies and he binded your hearts together he binded your hearts together, and from his blessings, you became brethren. You became sisters. You became a family. Uh, that's ikhba billah. That's something that Allah puts between. I'll give you an example. Do you know, do you have family members? They're your family, they're your cousins, aunts, uncles, that you've known, and you fulfilled their rights, you're good to them, but you'll never vibe with them. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like Thanksgiving's coming up and there's like a little du'a, you're like, I hope they don't show up to Thanksgiving. You can't, you clearly all agree with me, you know? We can unpack that later. <laughs> but we all have stories. We all have stories where we're like, I hope, alhamdulillah, yeah, they're nice people. And you've known them your whole life. They've seen you as a baby. You, we all have the like, you know, perpetual auntie that just comes and just trash talks us like crazy. Like you gained weight, thanks, auntie. How are you? How's your kid? Alhamdulillah, are you in med school? No, oh, my kid is. Alhamdulillah, it's like okay, I was like, okay, thanks, I appreciate it. Alhamdulillah. Um, uh, and so you have those people, and then do you ever have this other side of a group of people or a friend that you've met for maybe like a year, six months, two years, and all of a sudden you feel like you've known them forever? You know that. There's a hadith about that. There's a hadith about that. Arwah, Junood, Mujannada. Souls are entrenched with one another. It's the same hadith. The, where are they entrenched when, when I thought it, They're entrenched with one another before we're put into bodily forms. So when we were just spirits, when we're souls, arwah, uh, and we were all together in the same pleity, and Allah asks us, Am I not your Lord? And we say, Bala Shahidna. Yes, we are your Lord. He says, All of us were together. Like we were all together. We're all in the same space. He says, the souls that had mutual likening, many من The ones that had mutual liking for another, they binded with one another. And the ones that had a disdain with one another in that world, they differentiated in this world. So there were actually like souls that like, like Adil, I see him once every like seven years. I'm joking. But I see him, we've been friends for, like, he's also a very talented comedian, inshallah, and they come up, make dua for him. Uh, we've known each other forever, but and we see each other now, like, once a blue moon, and it's like, we just start back, you know what I'm saying? We just begin where we stopped off. Like, there's no takalluf, there's no, like, formality. It's like, oh, how's your family? It's like, what's up, dog? Alhamdulillah, right? That's because, like, we are certain that when we both said, Allah, you are our Lord, we were actually together, and we said it together. So when we came to the dunya here in this world, when we met each other, it's as if we knew each other forever, right? Uh, and that's what we call soulmates in Islam. And it's not just between a man and a woman, it's between everybody. That we had Allah, this itilaf, He actually binded our hearts together, and our, our, our hearts were then met here. So you actually knew each other way before you just knew each other here. Does that make sense? You've known each other before, but you've met each other here. This is one of the secrets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we don't really talk about as a community anymore, right? Because everything is just so much paperwork and everything is so much like, it's so statistical that the soul of our religion gets taken away, but this is the soul of our religion. This is the ruh of our religion. So see each other first and foremost as fraternity in Allah, meaning I don't see your body, I see your soul, right? So fix between them, right? And once you and then he says, "You fix, you make matters clear between them." La Allakum so that God's mercy comes upon you. So, we do we all not want Allah to be merciful to us? It's a yes or no question. Yes, right. That's But the condition is be mindful of Allah, meaning um, fulfill the rights of God, and the second is fulfill the rights of each other, fix what is between. Then Allah will have. Uh, a mercy towards you and your community and your family and ultimately to you. And that's why the Messenger of Allah talks about in a hadith that is in Sahih Bukhari. He says, that the believer in their mutual love for one another, their mutual uh, mercy for one another and their mutual Fixing between one another. Rectification with one another is like one body. If one, a minhu gadwa tada ulahu sa This is a beautiful hadith. If one part of the body is in pain, The rest of it starts to call the other limbs and say, take care of this one body. Right? Take care of this one piece. If the eye, if your eye is weak, right, the rest of your sensations begin to substitute the weakness of your eye. It begins to support your body right? Your body begins to to adapt. Sairul jasad. The rest of it begins to suffer from sleeplessness and fever. From sleeplessness and fever. Let's unpack this hadith. We're supposed to be a community or a family that if our friend or our brother or our sister is going through something, it has to affect us directly. The rest of us are, if one of us is down, then all of us are down. If one of us are down, then all of us are down. That means not necessarily, In and oftentimes what will be confused about this is my care for somebody else in good intention, in sincerity, means I just have to talk about their struggles in a, in a, in a dinner party, right? I'm going to coffee. Did you hear about, man, I can't believe he's going to do this. And it just becomes like, when we're not really doing anything. What does he say? him Yada'u jasad. What's, yuda'a what's, means what? To do what? Yuda'a means to do what? It sounds like what? Dua. The first thing is that if my friend is going through something, I have to set my alarm for three in the morning and may ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to rectify his affairs. I have to take it upon myself to do that. I have to read Quran for them. I have to pray to Allah for them. That's that's a sign of sincerity, is am I actually sacrificing my time to be of service to this person, not talk about them, not give them unsolicited advice? Because one of the things that we have is we love to give like solutions. You should do this, or you shouldn't do this. Let me tell you how you feel about this, this or whatever. No, no, what can I just do for you? How can I, what can I do for you to make this better for you? Like, let me just let you sit with your difficulty and let me sit with your pain, allow you to go through it. How can I help you? And without even ask, a real community though doesn't have to ask what that can do for you, right? Like we had a, if somebody there was a, there was a a, a family member that lost their uh, their husband, right? Uh, may Allah uh, grant him Jannah. They lost, he lost his husband. It was amazing to see the community or the people that are around them not ask what they can they can do for them. They just did it. People just started getting food. People started taking care of the kids, right? Uh, people like, people just was like, "Oh yeah, we'll take your kids to school. Don't worry about anything." They didn't ask. If you have to ask, there's something wrong. If you have to ask, there's something wrong. This is islah. This is what it means to be a community that is like what the Prophet said, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, "A mu'minu lil mu'mini." you that a believer for another believer are like buildings that are next to each other, tightly knit next to each other. Right? And a better translation of this is they're like pillars of the building. If one of the building falls, then the build, one of the pillars falls, then the panels of the building become weak. The very structure of the building is, is, is has become weak. Na'am. And that's why the Prophet said, Sallallahu alayhi wa Inna mu'min min min rasi fi jasad. That a believer in faith with one another. So this is billah, brotherhood or sisterhood with God. They are uh, at the station of being the head of the body for one another. That when one of them goes through faith amongst the difficulty from the people of faith, it's as if the very body that's on the, uh, on the, uh, the very head that's on the body is a threat. Meaning that you become a headless community that is just running around and just, you're just believers that are running around one another. Right, you're not a community that has a firm head upon its shoulders. Right, you ever hear they have a good head upon their shoulders? You're not a community that has a head upon its shoulders. You're a community that's constantly battling one another. And one of the scariest things about our the modern phenomenon of Muslims, it is so fickle the attachment that we have that one little dissent can literally destroy our entire community. It can destroy the entire community. Like we're not even willing to get to the point. Yet, where we're just like we should unpack this and make this we should unpack this together and i'm not talking about like you guys you can fill in the whatever right like there's somebody online that said something that we didn't agree with and now it's all doom and gloom we're no longer we're no longer a family anymore like that's it somebody becomes a muslim who's not a muslim that we don't agree with any of their positions they become muslim or something like that and now we're just we're like we're like yeah, this is a threat to Iman that lasted 1,400 years. This is the straw that's going to break the camel's back. Like, really? This is it? This is what... Like, we've survived the Mongols and we can't survive Facebook, right? Like, we survived the... You know what I'm saying? Like, we we took back Jerusalem. You know what I'm saying? And we can't... Now we're trying to take back Twitter. Like, that's... A, and we're laughing, but we should be in a deep amount of pain. Right? balia Like absurdities make you laugh because of how sad that is. Right? How sad that is, how easy it is to throw another believer under the bus. And then you get to the next chapter. Then yeah. Allah talks about a wonderful verse in the Quran where he says. Ya ayuhaladina amunu La Tos Ila Yaskarkom Mincomen Asan Yakunu Heiru Minhum, Wala ni Saum Minisa in Yakunu Hero Minhuna, Wala Tel Mizu Emfusikum, Wala Tenadibu Bitlaka Bitsil Ismilifusuk Badir Iman, Walla Myotuba Elifula e Khomo Bali Moon. The first part of this verse is he says, Oh you who believe, this is uh, uh this is what's called I this is a commandment to all of us all you who believe, don't degrade another group over another group because perhaps they're better than them. The Quran. Don't look down upon one group over another group. Perhaps they are better than them. When you you look at uh, the example of uh, our master Luqman alayhi salam, Who's a wise man some say he's a prophet some say he's a wise man and there's a chapter called the surah of luqman right He's an african uh uh um person in the quran um and he gives advice to his son he says oh my son call to good uh he says no establish a prayer call to good and forbid what is evil be patient on what afflicts you indeed this is the most this is a very difficult affair he says, call to good, forbid evil, and be patient. The assumption is that if you want to be people that establish the prayer, call to good, forbid evil, that necessarily means that you're going to have tribulations and you have to learn to be patient. It's not going to be, you're not going to become super Muslim overnight. right? But you need to trust the process that God has laid out in front of you. This is a very lofty task. And then he says, <laughs> Why does he say this? So he talks about all of these different things and he says, Don't scorn your face away, people. Subhanallah. <laughs> the next thing, he said, you know what don't scorn your faces? Khadak <laughs> is your cheek. Your khad is your cheek. <laughs> don't say Don't Don't scorn your that, That's literally what it means. Right? <laughs> and don't walk on this earth boastfully. In in Allah Allah does not like the self conceited entitled ones. Kulul Muqtal and there's a story of Shaykh al-Sayyid uh, Abdul Qadir Jilani. May Allah sanctify his secret. He was with his companions and his his disciples and they were walking for the dawn prayer. And they come upon, a, 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 in the front of the masjid, they, they come upon a drunk man, Wajid al-Maskar, a drunk man. But he said, uff. Shaykh he says what? He says, uff. Shaykh Abdul Qadir says, uff. And then the drunk man came into consciousness, and he says, Ya Abdul Qadir, Qadir." He says, oh servant of the one that gives ability, are you the one that gives ability?" And the sheikh began to cry. He starts to cry, and the sheikhs like, "Sheikh, why are you crying? Like you're like, the you're you're the you're the man, you're the sheikh, you're the you're the king of saints. Like why are you crying? This drunk, this heedless drunk man." And he said, "Did you not hear what he says?" He's like, did you all not just realize what he just said? He said, what was it? He said, If my Lord in an instant can take my condition and turn it into your condition and take your condition and turn it into my condition. If my Lord wanted to, He could put me in a condition that leads me to the point that the only real hope that I have is I have to pick up a 40 and that becomes my life because I don't have God anymore. Hence, that's my coping mechanism. Imagine the day you wake up and you don't know what Allah is anymore. Imagine you wake up, and you can't even say Allah. Isn't this a hadith of the Prophet, peace be upon him, that a time will come when a person wakes up a believer, and they'll go to sleep a disbeliever, and they'll wake up a believer, and they'll go to sleep a disbeliever. So you have this violent relationship with Islam to the point where, where like, if Allah wanted to, he can strip away faith from us whenever he wants. So, what does Allah say? If God's deliverance come and His opening comes upon you, and you see people coming into Islam in what? They come to Islam in like floods. What does Allah say? Praise Allah. And then, and say, Allah, forgive me. Oh, Allah, forgive me. Oh, Allah, forgive me. I haven't deserved this faith. It's because you're the one that gave it to me, Ya Allah. You're the one that gave it to me. And that's why, you know, Dr. Caldwell mentioned uh, in his khutbah, he mentioned a wonderful story of Abu Yazid al-Bastami uh, that he went to uh, uh, and he could relate it better than I can. Um, but he came across like uh, he was, he's a great saint from Baghdad and he came with his students and he comes upon a, what does he come upon? What did you call it? A party boat. He comes upon a party pole, like Lakeshore Drive, Chicago, summertime, it's 90 degrees outside. You know, you say a sahra, you, look, you look towards the city, you don't look towards the beach. This <laughs> so way, that party boat, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and the 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 students were like, and they were doing, and in, in, I won't be explicit for respect and adab of the space, but they were doing a hedonistic activities, so to speak. Say, and the students go like, Sheikh, make dua against them, like make dua, may Allah to curse them, alayhim, make dua to curse them. He says, Allahumma kama farahtum bil jannah, fil Oh Allah, as you've made them happy in this world, make them happy in the next world. Oh Allah, as you make them happy in this world, Allah, give them happiness in the next world. And they said, Yeah, Shaykh, we asked you to make dua against them, not for them. He said, Wa ana I'm more merciful than my Lord. I'm more merciful than my Lord. So the attempt, what does this mean? Does it mean party boats are halal? We should no, it's not what it's talking about. It's not what any of this means. Don't take it, be like, Oh, alhamdulillah, Allah, is merciful. No, it's saying that as somebody that is trying to rectify between two parties, your intentionality should not be, Oh Allah, curse them, is Oh God, give them what you have given us. Oh God, bless him with you, what you have given us, right? The Prophet i I'm going off script. The Prophet is in the battle of Uhud, and an arrow goes through his noble face. An arrow goes through his noble face. And blood is pouring down his body, and he's in the middle of the battlefield, and he begins... He begins to cover his blood And he said, why are you covering your blood, O Messenger of Allah? He says, if my blood was to touch this ground I would afraid Allah would open it up and swallow them uh, The ground would swallow them He said, that's what we want, Allah Ya Rasulullah, ask Allah to curse them Do, we're, 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 they're, they're, they're kuffar, they're disbelievers, they're your enemies He says, ma I wasn't sent as a cursor Allahumma ahdi la Allahumma guide my people, they don't know better that was the adab of the Prophet with his enemies. Imagine the adab with the believers. That was the adab of the Prophet with his enemies. Imagine the adab of Habib with the believers. May Allah make us people of adab in good opinion. So he says, Yeah, don't degrade one group of people over another group of people. And then he says, What is degradation? Is arrogance. So Imam Al Qurtubi, one of the scholars of the theory, he says, What is degradation? It is arrogance. Um, it's called that um what the prophet sallallahu says he says uh, al-kibr al-, uh, is arrogance is wa is denying the truth when it's right in front of you and looking down at people right looking down at people so look we're talking about just muslims the, the, This, the this is there is something called iqtibas, to quote something al-iqtibas i q t B-A-S, Iqtibas. And the quote, when you, when you surround yourself with people that are humble, you're surrounding yourself with people that are maintaining the prophetic verse that is mentioned about the Messenger of Allah in the Quran. says, أنا أنا Say that I'm a human like you that has been given revelation. Is a prophet a human like all of us? Is he like us? Subman. Like, the answer is no, guys. He's not like us. He's a prophet. Like, we're not prophets. Like, he's given revelation. That has been given revelation. But why is he told, say I'm a human being just like you? What's the quote of the devil? When he's asked, what does he say? I'm better than him. You made me from fire. You made him from clay. So any default status is that, like, I am better or our community is superior, right? is quoting who? The prophet or the devil? Is quoting the devil? You're quite literally quoting the devil. Are there, now, are there things that we do that make you objectively better in certain regards than other people? Absolutely. Absolutely. Islamically, is what we call taqwa. Like you, if somebody, you should take it from a gift from God that you can maintain your prayers and do other things and other people are having a difficult time with it. You shouldn't put yourself down, but you should also balance that out with recognizing that there are gifts in their struggle that you don't have. Their openings are their struggle that you don't have. That perhaps Allah just put us in the right place, in the right time for us to make these affairs easy for us. As opposed to that other person that is incredibly difficult. For them to do, right? You have to have that type of humility when you're approaching your community. Uh, and then he says, and a group of women over another folk. Now, logistically, why do you guys know why uh, the messenger, the, uh, the Quran says a group of people, and he separates women from the group? Do you guys know why he talks women separately? Because a is is um, this is like a like they say like this is just like a uh it's like a fun fact um a is anything that is from your paternal side not your maternal side right so like in the world in the dunya uh you're you're mentioned by your father's name right and every prophet is mentioned they say qaumi all my people except for one prophet do you know who isa why he doesn't have a father right? So he says, Ya Bani Israel. He says, Oh, my, oh, oh he's the only one that doesn't say that. Um, but, what do we also call him? When he's mentioned, and so in, the, in the world, he just says, Ya Bani Israel. When he's resurrected, who's he resurrected as? What do we call him? In the Hadith of Intercession, it says, وَجَاءِ Isa, Isa bin Maryam. Isa, the son of Maryam. So one of the secrets is in this world, you're mentioned by your father's name, but when you're resurrected, you're resurrected by your mother's name. Why? Inna. The womb of your mother is connected to the throne of Allah. The womb of your mother is connected to the throne of Allah. That when you're resurrected, that's why we have, I have a teacher, sheikha Amina, when she speaks to me and calls me, she always says, Ya Umair ibn Asayyid Hasib. Like, oh Umair, she mentions my father's name. When she makes du'a for me, she says, Allahumma akhfir Umair ibn Fatima. Oh Allah, forgive Umair the son of Fatima. She mentions my mother's name. Why? Because in the celestial, Allah knows you by your mother's name. In the dunya, the people know you by your father's name. Yeah. Uh, so Allah separates the qaum from the nisa, from the qaum from the women. And there's a secret, there's a, there's a lesson behind this in the, what's another asbab, context of revelation. And there are many, but it was related by um, one of the companions that there was always some sort of like um characters between the wives of the messenger of allah sallallahu and one of the uh uh wives of the messenger of allah um salama she had a hard time like sometimes talking she would sort of uh we would say say like off the wall comments sometimes just out of her own innocence and her muhabba. She's our mother. Allah, I'd be well pleased with her. Right? She would say certain things uh, in a jokingly way. And sometimes it wouldn't be taken seriously. Right? And one time, the Aisha, radiallahu anha, she says, Unduri, amma tajri. He talks to another wife of the Prophet and says, Look, amma tajri khalfuha or, She said, Oh, look, it's the dog-tongue one is coming. Right? She starts calling um Salama the dog tongue, right? And then Allah then reveals a verse, And don't degrade another group of women over another group of women, right? It's one of the things sometimes men and women have a different understanding of degradation between one another. Uh, at some points, men will only understand men and women will only understand women. Men have certain spaces where when we're closed in our private circles, we speak and we understand sensitivities and the nuances of our speech that only we'll understand. There are sensitivities and nuances of speech that women will only understand when they're in their private quarters. If you bring both of them together sometimes and speak in the same frequency, we're never going to get one another. We're not going to get one another, right? I can say, we can say certain... Uh, when the and this is from the companions. When the companions with one another, they used to say some like really like rough things to one another. These are in the hadith. They used to say some really rough things to one another, and nobody felt bad. But when they're around women, they knew that women would take it the wrong way. And when women were amongst one another, they would say some really rough things around women. And when they're around men, they would right. So these are this is like we have to recognize that to understand what it means to degrade, you're never going. A men will like. We men cannot define that for women and women cannot define that for men you have to define that for each other are you following what i'm saying you have to define good etiquettes sometimes for each other and start to teach one another that law no. says we made you from the masculine and the feminine and made you nations and tribes so you know one another so if the masculine doesn't know the feminine the nations cannot know the tribes, then you cannot know one another. Inna In the most noble of you are the ones of taqwa, meaning you're never going to get to taqwa if the nations and tribes don't know one another. And the feminine, and he doesn't say men and women, he doesn't say wa Nisa. If the masculine energy doesn't understand the feminine energy. And we're going to unpack that, inshallah, in the next week. We're going to be talking about masculine and femininity in the next session, inshallah, ta'ala, right? And another asbab al-nusul was you had somebody uh, named Um Salama. Unfortunately, she was the one that they used to make fun of a lot amongst the women. And she was not known to be tall. Ironically, our mother Aisha was also not known to be tall. But every time she would come, she said, she would come to a place, she said, Ya Nabi Allah, Iyyaha taqse- qasira." She would say, Oh, Messenger of Allah, look, Shorty's coming. That's what it means. Oh, look, who comes Shorty? Right. And the Messenger of Allah tells her, Oh Aisha, Allah said, Don't degrade one group of people over another group of people. And then he mentions the another verse in the Quran where Allah says, "Wala telmizu. He says, Don't degrade one another. Uh na'am. Wala telmizu Don't degrade one another. Don't degrade one another. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, He says, Woe unto all the fault finders. The fault finders. Stop filing faults in one another. The Prophet Messenger of God said, Whomsoever constantly finds faults in their brother and sister will inevitably corrupt them. Okay. This is a powerful hadith, a really powerful hadith. He says, Whomsoever, right, finds faults, in, constantly finds faults, they will corrupt. Meaning that I'm with somebody who I believe is to be a virtuous person. Right? I'm with nabil Saeed, right? He's like, he's, he's somebody I believe to be a righteous man. And I want to be somebody who's also a virtuous man. He can do two things. He can either uh, overly gas me up where I don't have to do anything. Like, I'm already like a really good Muslim. I'm pretty good, subhanAllah. Like, Nabil said I was like a really good Muslim. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I could totally, he could totally do that. Or, or he could, a, he, he could come at me so hard and consistently point out everything that I'm doing wrong to the point where I'm just like, bro, it's not even worth it anymore, Right? You're not, hey, you're, dude, you're, I'm, I, I'm praying for the first time. And he's like, yeah, Mashallah, you're praying, but you missed like three sunnas. You missed like three sunnas. Like, hey, Habibi, your pants were like, it wasn't right. You know what I'm saying? Your, your finger wasn't in the right place. You're just supposed to do like your, your thumb. And this is your thumb is supposed to be with your index finger. He's like, supposed to be like this. He could totally do that. No, he could totally do that. Uh, And... That would inevitably get me to be like, dude, I'm I'm out of here, dude. I'm not gonna do this anymore. How many of us, to be honest, have experienced this when we're in our communities? We're like, yeah, I'm not good enough. I'm about to check out. Be honest. We've experienced this. We're like, I'm never gonna be good enough for this community. Why even bother? You're gonna end up corrupting them. So unfortunately, most Muslims that end up having doubts about Islam is not because their theology has any flaws in it because they don't even know theology yet. It's not because their jurisprudence has issues with it, which is a big word for fiqh, uh, has any issues with it. It's really because they've had experiences with people that claim to be virtuous that rub them the wrong way and constantly bring them down. That's literally the that's the core of it. So you come to this place where you're like, bro, I don't even feel like being Muslim anymore. Hasha jillahi <laughs> ta'ala, that we're just like, we're corrupted by that. And you go A, B, and C looking for spirituality and everything else. We, as a community, we need to stop seeking validation in those that have no business validating us. If we don't validate each other, then we will find other people that have no business, have no consciousness, and have no morals to validate us in the first place. You have to be the community of validation. And one of our teachers at Ta'lif uh, once told me, Omar, his name is Mahdi al Amin, Sidi Mahdi. He said, I realized that the prophet of God wa sallam, was a prophet of validation. He was a prophet of validation, right? A man, he goes up to a man once who was a very skinny, not very good looking man. And he comes and he prays a plank on, he puts his hands in front of his eyes, and he says, Man yashari had al abd. Who's gonna buy this servant? Who's gonna buy this slave? And the man immediately smells a musk from the hand of Habib, sallam, and he says, that no, I'm worth, he's like, I'm worthless. Nobody's going to buy me. I can't do anything. And the messenger grabs him by the shoulders and he puts his hand on his forehead and he says, He said, But you're priceless in the eyes of your Lord. He says, You're priceless in the eyes of your Lord. He's a community of validation, right? Um, and uh, that means that when we see Somebody do something good, we should also encourage them to goodness. We should also encourage them to goodness. Um, one of the meaning that like if there's an initiative of somebody trying to do like community work, our first reaction is not like, How can we critique this? Or they did this wrong, or they did that wrong. It's like Alhamdulillah, dude, mashallah, Allah bless you. We notice it becomes like a visceral response response. Somebody's doing something, speaking with somebody or doing whatever, they're like, Oh yeah, but their flyers so corny. Like, why is that our first reaction? It should be Alhamdulillah. Allahumma put in their hands goodness. Allah spread for them goodness. Having good conscience for one. Right? Uh, that don't call each other by degrading names. Don't label each other. Ramadan's coming up. What's the Ramadan label of certain Muslims? What is it? Huh? Yeah. Let's be honest. Does I come from a good place? Does that come from a good place when Ramadan and you somebody you see types of Muslims that are like practicing and you say, yeah, they're just Ramadan Muslims. Is, does that mean you're a really good Muslim? No, there's, what are they saying? Oh yeah, he only practices during Ramadan. And it's like, hey, you know that's the whole point of Ramadan, right? Is to bring us back to practicing our religion. Like, you, you're not satisfied with that either, right? Um, so don't call each other by evil names. Don't put labels on one another. Don't use degradational comments on one another, right? But most importantly, be sensitive to people. And I can speak a lot of this, but when, for because of time's sake, I'm not going to. But there's a story that I love about the Messenger of Allah's sensitivity by being very careful of the names that he uses about people. There's a story that's in Ibn Ishaq seerah uh, that's related by Ibn Aziz al-Dabagh uh, where two parents come to the Messenger of Allah sallam, in his mosque and say, oh, Messenger of Allah, we have lost our child. Our child is lost. We lost our child. And the Messenger of Allah says, um, he starts to make dua that Allah gives them their child. But then he says, let's go find the kid. Right? Let me help you find the kid. Look, there's no like, can you help us? The conversation we had, you lost our kid. Let's go find the kid. Right? There was no like, hey, you should, like, I have have an appointment revelation. You should go ask somebody else. Right? It was, let's go find the kid. Meaning, لَقَدْ جَاءُكُمْ رَسُولٌ مِنْ أنفسكم, عَزِيزٌ عَلَيْهِمْ مَا أَذَتُمْ حَرِيسٌ عَلَيْكُمْ That the, the Prophet that's come from you, right? That's from from your people. He's given a station. He's in pain of what you're going through. If you've lost your kids, it's like I've lost. I've lost. I know how it feels to bury Ibrahim. I've buried my son Ibrahim. Let me go find your kid with you. I buried Qasim. I buried my son. Let me go find your son with you. So the first one is what? I'll find it because I buried my baby too. He goes to the outskirts of Medina, and it's the outskirts of Medina. It's like nomads. There are jinn out there. There is, you know, tribal warfare. You lost your kids there. And now may Allah protect our kids. But you know how it feels when you go to like TJ Maxx and you lose your kids from eyesight for like a second, right? And your heart drops. You're like, where are my kids? This is the desert. This is the desert. Um, and spoiler alert They end up finding the kid Because you're with the Prophet You're with Sayyidina Wajud It's the master of, that has been found You're going to find your kid wa And there's like this like <clears throat> There's this like cinematic moment Where the father is running And the kid is running And he grabs his kid And he grabs him And he says these words just crying And he said Alhamdulillah I praise, praise be to Allah Gratitude to Allah Wajadtu waladi Wajadtu waladi I found my son Is there anything wrong With that statement inherently? Is there anything wrong? With that statement, I found my son. There's nothing wrong with that statement, right? He found his son and he's crying. You walk back to Medina and the Prophet says, can I speak to you for a moment, please? Can I speak to you for a moment? And they say, "Oh yeah, Master of of course. He says, um, He said, when you enter Medina, don't say, I found my son. He said, say, say his first name. Just say, I found this guy. I found this kid. Don't say his first name. It's an odd request. Like, why would you ask that? He said, of course, but he said, of course, but why? Like, why would I, you know? And he said, if you said, I found my son, I found my son, and you say that loud enough, how do you think the orphans of Medina would feel? Because he knew he's, his parents, he was, how much would he have been given for Sayyidina Amina to find him and say, oh, Muhammad, I found you. How much would he have been given for Abdullah to find him and say, Abdullah, I found you. I mean, that was the inherent sensitivity of your prophet. So don't call each other by evil names. Don't call each other by evil names. Right? And the opposite is the default, is to have a wonderful sense of sensitivity of everybody in the room when you come to the space that you're in. And then he says, and whomsoever doesn't turn to this um, they are amongst the oppressors. They're amongst the oppressors, meaning, what is he actually telling us in this, Quran, in this verse? All of this, don't degrade people, don't call them, not label them. Don't dehumanize people. Don't dehumanize people. The moment you've dehumanized them, you will inherently find it easy to oppress them. That's the, this is the recipe for oppression. Stay away from it. And that's why the companion said the messenger of Allah said, "Unsuru, ahhaqu-Muslim." Dalim save your brother or your sister the oppressed or the one that oppresses we know how to save the oppressed O oh, master of Allah but how do we save the oppressor he said تمنعه, stop them from oppressing right but he calls both of them your what what are both of them what are both of them save your brother the oppressed or the oppressor they're both your brother or your sister you have to look, as much as it hurts, you have to bring your oppressed, oppressive brother or your oppressive sister to the point where they become people of justice. They become people of goodness, right? And that's why Allah says, "Inna Allah yuhibbu Allah loves the people that are equitable, right? Allah loves that are people that are equitable. What is this verse really telling us? Remove everything from your heart that would otherwise bring enmity. Towards a people that you would that would inherently cause you from being the wall between them and the garden. Between being the wall between them and the garden. And that's why Allah says in another verse, He says, Don't make your preconceived notions, your hatred of a people, your disdain of a people force you to not be just with them. So be just with them. So be just with them. Don't look at the history of what they have to stop you from being just with them. Be just with them. If they've wronged you, you still have to be justice. Justice, Imam al-Tahawi narrates or Imam Abu Hafs al-Ghassani and his explanation of the Tahawiyah says, justice is the baseline for human beings. Everything below justice is inhumanity, is animalistic. Justice is the baseline. Everything above that Is ihsan, is ihsan, is excellence in character. Naam. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for التوفيق إن شاء الله اللهم نسألك في العافية في ديننا والآخرة اللهم نسألك رضاك ورضاك بما جنت ما قرب إليه من عمل اللهم لا بك من النار وما قرب إليه من من اللهم نسألك أن تجل كل قضاء به خير لا أول الأولين يا آخر أول بلا بداية آخر بلا نهاية اسم بلا كونية اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد عبدك ورسولك النبي وسلم تسليما عدد خلقك نفسك كلماتك والعصر إن الإنسان الذي إلا الذين we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala To forgive us To bring us closer to his book To bring us closer to his values To make us people of the Quran And to make a Quran uh, an intercessor for us In the day of judgment We ask that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala That he puts the Quran in our hearts And make us amongst the walking Qurans And the ones that are in the in the company of the walking Quran, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam wala alihi, wa adada khalkika, wa riadati naftiqa, wazina ta' shik, walahaula wala kuta, illa billa wahula aladim, wa da wana wahhamdulah blalam. Thank you for tuning in. Please consider becoming a monthly sustainer by joining one thousand hearts of ta'lif and committing to give three dollars a day to keep this work coming to seekers, youth, and newcomers to Islam. Sign up today at wwwtalifcollectiveorg forward slash donate. We hope you enjoyed the variety of sessions available and hope you benefit immensely. Allah bless you and Allah bless your loved ones.